What I want you to write down is the sermon series itself. The title of our sermon series is Do Not Disturb. (laughs) Do Not Disturb. I love that because we all have iPhones and we have this button that we can push that essentially puts our phone on quiet mode, Harrison. It, It allows us to silence our phone and to push out distractions and notifications. And so the series as a whole is going to be called Do Not Disturb. Now in this series... I want us to ask a question. And this is the question I want us to ask. I want to tell you from the very beginning, we're not doing a series to be pro-iPhone or anti-iPhone, pro-social media or anti-social media. We could go either direction all day long. That's not the goal of this series. If If that is the goal of this series, then we've missed the point of opening God's word, if that's simply the goal. The goal is that we would walk away realizing how good Jesus is and how we can use any resource in our life to glorify his name. No matter what it is, bricks, wood, devices, whatever God has allowed us to have, we can use it to bring him glory. So that's the goal of this, to evaluate, to ask questions. To ask the question, how are the effects of having something like this, and I have mine tonight, what are the effects that this is having on us? Here's a question I want you to write down from the very beginning for the next four weeks. Do we control our phones, or do our phones control us? Eesh. Where's Salsa? There he is. Salsa in the front row. Do we control our phones, or do our phones control us? Now, in 2007, our culture was changed forever. Many of you, I don't know how old you were in 2007. I was in eighth grade going into ninth grade. In 2007, it was a normal day, but our culture changed forever. And many people didn't even realize it on that day. They may have had a clue, but they had no idea 14 years ago the effects that this presentation would have on our life. In 2007, how we communicate, watch this, changed forever. 14 years later, and every single one of us has one of these. And it has absolutely, as he said, reinvented how we communicate. And they didn't even realize it on that day in 2007. Maybe some did. But that day, everything changed. Now, no longer is your iPod separate from your phone. (laughs) As big as that was, touchscreen iPod. (laughs) They're like cheering. "Ah!" (laughs) Our communication has changed forever because of that right there. This is what I want to ask in the series. We are the first generation to have access to this, to have access to unlimited music, to have access to phone calls, text messages, where we can reach anyone at any time, no matter what. We're the first generation to have access to internet, the world wide web, access to the entire world at the touch of our fingertips. Now, I don't want to shame you and make you break this tonight. <laughs> we would have to clean up iPhones. <laughs> That's not fun. But I want us to ask in this series, what long-term effects is this having on us? Because this is a big deal, and this generation does not realize it. Do you know, and I'm going to give you some statistics here in a minute, did you know that the dopamine, the hit that we get when we check our phone is similar to those of drug addicts? And those who take drugs or prescription pills, there's a limit (laughs) and barriers that you would set up, or there's deadly consequences. We have this, and we have no barriers at all to those hits. 
Now, to raise awareness before we look at Genesis, I want you to see these statistics on the screen, and I want you to write them down if you feel led to. These are some statistics on smartphone use. Did you know that 3.5 billion people, this will come up on the screen in a minute, here it is, 3.5 billion people own a smartphone. Now, that's out of 4.8 billion who even own a phone. So the ones who own a smartphone outnumber the ones who don't. Now, this next one is really mind-blowing. The average smartphone owner unlocks their phone 150 times a day. I want to help paint this picture for you as to how much this is. 150 times a day. Did you know that on average, people laugh 15 times a day? So essentially... What we have found is that we unlock our phone 10 times as many times as we laugh throughout the day. That's insane. 150 times a day. In fact, even in just this sermon, you're going to be tempted to check your phone probably 4 to 12 times, somewhere in that margin. Maybe even more for a lot of us who are more addicted than we realize. Um, The next one is that COVID itself has increased people's screen time by an hour daily. These are all online if you want to look them up on various studies. COVID has increased people's screen time by an hour daily. Here's the number. Users spend an average of three hours and 45 minutes on mobile devices. And all we hear from this generation, because I hear it every week and I say it every week, is I don't have any time. I don't have any time. I wish I could hang out with you, but I really just don't have any time, and I'm busy 24-7. And then I was convicted when I say how busy I am, and then I look at my screen time. And it's above three hours and 45 minutes. In fact, even crazy, in 2021, they estimate that it will pass four hours daily. They're estimating that this generation is going to spend over, let this sink in, over four hours a day staring at this rectangle. Did you know that on average... The person, the human being, spends only 45 minutes of quality time with their family? You tell me if it's a big deal. I'll give you the numbers and you let me know if we should study it. (laughs) 45 minutes of quality time with family, four hours on our phones. It's an issue and we don't have control of it. Hello? (laughs) It's an issue and we do not have control of it. In fact, 58% of smartphone users don't go one hour without checking their phones. Even more astounding, you think about your sleep at the night, how important your sleep is through the night. Well, 40% of us check our smartphones in the middle of the night. That means we can't even wake up and go to the bathroom without checking to make sure we didn't miss any notifications. We're so worried about missing out on something that it could be 2.30 in the morning and we will go to the bathroom and come back to our bed and in the middle of our night take time to see what other people have posted or sent us. We are addicted. This is an issue. Previous studies found that people check their phones every four minutes. Every four minutes. I'm not sure if that will be on the screen. Every four minutes. In my study on this, college students, I want to tell you, I'm 27 years old. I'm very close to your age, but in just a little different season of life. I'm married and and getting ready to move on to certain uh, seasons of life ahead of you. But I want you to know that uh, you and I both live in a generation that is dangerously distracted dangerously distracted. I tried wearing my Apple Watch again for a couple of weeks, and it's bugging me insane because every single time I keep checking my wrist, keep checking my wrist. I could be in a coma. My arm would still be doing this. 
Like, I think we're going to have muscle issues in our arm from constantly doing this because we are always connected. We are always, and I want to say this to you, but I don't want you to get mad at me. Our generation is addicted to immediate approval. We live in a generation that is addicted to immediate approval. And I want to tell you something. Just because something is immediate does not mean it is authentic. Just because you can get something quick and easy does not mean it is real. But we are addicted to the immediate satisfaction of going to our phones, unlocking them, and seeing what other people have for us. We live in a generation that struggles with depression. It's no secret. Numbers are sky high at the depression rate amongst Gen Z and millennials. And sadly, we believe that the cure to our depression is to just add on more distractions. That's not a cure to your depression. It is simply a distraction. That does not bring the healing that your soul so desperately, desperately needs. Now, I want us to tonight look at the Bible and see what does the Bible say about technology? What does the Bible say about technological advancements? Is this bad? Should we break them all and exile and leave them? What should we do? If you have your Bibles, open it with me to Genesis chapter 11. And what we're going to do is tonight, we're going to set the scene, we're going to set the stage, we're going to set the table for the next few weeks so that we can look firmly at Scripture and see what the Bible says about this issue in our day and age today. If you're taking notes, uh, I would love for you to write down at the top of your notes, the title of my sermon tonight is The Tower of Terror. If you've been to Disney World, you know what I'm saying. That's right, Trey's with me. The Tower of Terror, because we're talking about the Tower of Babel. Now, going into the Tower of Babel, here's what you have to understand. We're in Genesis. This is after the flood. Obviously, Adam and Eve have fallen in the garden. They have committed the grave sin of disobeying God's command. Uh, humanity in early Genesis was very sinful and God flooded the earth. He used Noah's ark to preserve humanity in his mercy. In his mercy. Now, when we get to the Tower of Babel, this is after the flood, and what we're going to see is we're going to see a group of human beings unite together. Isn't that so cool, right? Oh, we all in our world say we want unity, unity, unity. Let's come together. Let's come together. If we could all just be one, all our problems would be solved. But I got to tell you, the people in, in Genesis chapter 11 come together. They unite. And what happens is evil spreads. When people come together independently from God, all people will unite together on is evil and sin and corruption and destruction. So the people come together, and what you're going to see happen is there's going to be an advancement of technology right here in Genesis chapter 11. A huge advancement similar to this right here. And we're going to see how humans respond, and then we're going to see how God responds. We're going to talk about some practical fixes to this issue in our lives. So look with me at Genesis chapter 11, starting in verse 1. It says in verse 1, chapter 11, the whole earth had the same language and vocabulary. As people migrated from the east, they settled. And in verse 3, it says that they said to each other, look at this, come, let us make oven-fired bricks. They used brick for stone. And they said in verse 4, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. Read that verse with me again, verse 4. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. Look at the next words. Let us make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered throughout the earth. Then the Lord came down to look over the city 
and the tower that the humans were building. Now let's stop right there. Imagine this for a moment. Before we pray. Marie. <laughs> humans come together, Sam, and they build this huge, massive tower. Could be seen from all over. And they really believe that they can independently step away from God and do their own thing. What they're saying, because you see it in our world today, they are taking God's resources and using them to rebel. They are, in arrogance, taking what God has given them, and they're using it to build their own name. And they put all this united work together, and they put all this together to say, hey, God, thank you for creating the heavens and the earth, but we're going to take it from here, <laughs> okay? Thanks, God, but well, we got this now. And they build this massive tower. I want you to understand, as much as God they wanted to be, God still had to step down to look at their tower. <laughs> yeah. As incredible as this tower was, as huge as this tower was, it literally said God came down to get a good glimpse of it because he probably could barely see it from heaven. So he came down to see this massive, incredible human design that's so small God had to snoop down. I imagine him getting on a knee just to look at it like, wow, okay, this is y'all's massive tower. <laughs> wow, okay, like Lego pieces. Wow, you guys really did a great job of this independent from me. <laughs> and I want you to understand something. What, you just almost spit on me, man? <laughs> that man went, <laughs> oh, that you, Nate? I got my eye on you. <laughs> they literally build this incredible tower, and God... <laughs> stoops down to show, like, this is nothing for God. And I want you to understand, the greatest thing that you and me can build apart from God is going to be that big, if that, in the eyes of God. In comparison to Almighty God, he comes down and looks at this tiny, tiny tower. Look next at what he says. <clears throat> in verse 6, the Lord said, If they have begun to do this as one people, all having the same language, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. God is not threatened here by humanity, as we just saw. What God is realizing is that man is about to live in complete evil and sin, where the serpent, where the devil, can roam freely. He says in verse 7, Come, in the same way that they said, Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So from there the Lord scattered them throughout the earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore it is called Babylon. For there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them throughout the earth. Let's pray before we jump into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are a good God, and that you love us, and that you have come down on this earth in the form of Jesus to die for our sins. Father, apart from you, we have no hope. All over the world we look today, God, we see brokenness, we see hurt, we see pain, we see loneliness, we see people pursuing their own path instead of pursuing your plan and your purpose and your commands. And God, we see brokenness. But Father, when we come to you, we are healed. We are restored. And Father, tonight as we open up your word and talk about an issue in our nation that does not surprise you at all, technology, Father, I pray that you would speak every word tonight. Father, would you go before us now? It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, the first thing that I want you to write down, very simple, is number one, uh, God's resources and man's rebellion. 
Very, very simple, very straightforward. But the first thing that we have to understand is this. God's resources, man's rebellion. Very, very clear here. No, no, nothing confusing here. God has given resources and man has rebelled. Now, let me set the scene here before we get all into iPhones. You have to understand Genesis. This is very, very important. When God first commanded Adam and Eve to make babies, spread out on the earth, collect food, govern animals, when he gave the commands in Genesis 1, verse 28, it showed us that God's plan was much bigger than what we thought it could be. Look in Genesis 1, verse 28. God, here it is, blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Very straightforward. God's command is not confusing at all. Literally, be fruitful, <laughs> multiply. Fill the earth. Go. He says, literally, I've given you all this earth. Go. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Now, what's incredible is, college students, this shows us that all the way back to Genesis, God's plan for creation was global. God's plan for creation was global. The garden was just the beginning of what God was wanting to do with humanity, which means God was wanting us to advance. God was wanting us to press forward. God was wanting us to Keep going forward, which is an amazing thing. So the reality when it comes to technology that we have to talk about is that technology is not bad. Technology is not bad. In fact, I'm going to give you several ways that it's used to spread the gospel. The definition, and this is an incredible dish, uh, definition that comes from one of the books I'm reading right now on technology. It says this, if you want to write it down. Technology is simply reordering God's resources for human purposes. Now, I know that, you know, tools and technology, I get all that, but tonight we're going to put it into technology. We're going to put it into advancement. Here's what technology is. It's simply reordering God's resources for human purposes. I'll give you another way of saying it that's even easier. It's when we edit what God has created. God has created, and we edit. We modify. We take what he's given us, and we switch it around. So when you look at other things... Uh, in the Bible and in our world today, when you look at Adam and Eve when it comes to technology, they reordered, if you will, think about that word reordered when it comes to technology, they reordered materials of soil to make plants and flowers flourish. They reordered the resources that God had given them. Even today, chefs and cooks in the kitchen, what they do is they take raw materials and they reorder it in a way to make delicious meals. Is anybody in here musically inclined? Anybody play an instrument or sing? We have incredible worship over here. Absolutely. My hand should be down. I don't. <laughs> I wish I was with you, man. Like, I do. I wish I could sing, but I can't. But <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I can't. It's not bad, though. It's not bad. I'll be up here at some point. I'll tell Jeff. <laughs> Just kidding. I never will. No, I can't do that one right now. That's too much. <laughs> That's too much. I'm going to speak myself into a corner. Daniel, you said you would. <laughs> Musicians, watch this, this is so cool. Musicians, Jacob, they reorder notes to make beautiful songs. They take notes, they reorder them in a way that creates a beautiful song. It's an amazing picture. And so when you think about this, all of this is technology. All of this is advancement. Whether it's hitched to a horse or an outlet, it's technology. All right. Somebody's affirming me. <laughs> hey, man, like, da, 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 banging on the walls. <laughs> Whether it's hitched to a horse or an outlet, it's technology. It's advancement. Now, God has used technology to bring so much glory to his name. And we cannot do a sermon series like this and sit up here and act like technology is terrible. We can't. That's doing a disservice to the creation God's given us because the garden was only the beginning. God created us to go global, to advance, to go forward. In fact, some of the things I wrote down here, 
Think about the Old Testament to the New Testament for a moment. This is very fascinating. In the Old Testament, God gives the law on stone tablets. You remember that? The law to Moses on stone tablets. Then you move into the New Testament, and you move even further into human history. And what we have then is paper and ink that make it possible for writing to advance. No longer were they carving on stones. They were writing with ink on paper, on scrolls. And what's amazing is God's word, I wrote this down, first scratched on stone, then on paper, now digitally, has reached millions and millions and millions of souls all across the globe for the gospel. That's an incredible thing. Don't tell me that technology's bad. Don't blame technology for when man uses it in a sinful way. Because the gospel has spread to parts of the world that it never would have before because technology has advanced to where you want to make an excuse that you can't read your Bible. People died so that you could have it present with you at all times. Men and women of God died for their faith so that you could walk around with the Bible. And the sad thing is we hardly ever access it. But we're accessing Instagram. I'm skipping my notes. I'm getting ahead. I'm not even at the application part. I'm already ready to go. We got the Bible on our phones at all times, and our screen time is at six to seven hours, and the Bible app ain't even on there. Technology is not bad. From trumpets and temples to iPhones to the digital sharing of God's word, God intended technology to play a role in the gospel and in our worship. Technology is not bad. But... Here it is. You know it is. With humans, there's always a but. Hold up. Stop. At the end of Joseph's life, when he was talking about his brothers and talking about God, he made a statement. You remember that statement at the end of Joseph's life? He's talking about his brothers, but man, oh man, it applies to what we're talking about tonight. When his brothers sold him into slavery, betrayed him, did him so wrong, and Joseph had the chance to revenge, to get revenge, Joseph said this. He said, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. He told them that. You remember that? At the end of his life. Joseph basically sums up what your life experience is going to be like. Flip that statement around, and here's what life is like. What God means for evil, I mean, whew. let's rewind. Don't you love when that happens? <laughs> What God means for good, there it is. We'll edit that out later. <laughs> what God means for good, man uses for evil. What God intended to be good was done out of evil by man. So hear me out on this. God gives us resources and technology. And what we do as humans, because we're so hard-headed and so stubborn and so fixed in our ways, we can take the best resource that God has given us and find a way to use it for evil. We find a way to use it for corruption. Don't tell me that you don't. When you were a kid, nobody had to teach you to take a stick off of a tree and hit somebody with it. You just did it when you got mad at them on the playground. <laughs> nobody had to come and tell you, hey, you know, you can use that stick to hurt somebody. You know, you can use that rock if you get mad to throw it at one of your friends and cause a bloody nose. Nobody had to teach you that. You just got angry one day, picked up that rock and went, oh, that felt kind of good. <laughs> I can use a rock to hurt people. <clears throat> Fast forward thousands of years later, now we use digital technology to hurt people. <laughs> oh, oh. 
I don't know if we're ready for this, guys. I don't know if we're ready for this. I hope that we are because it's prevalent in our society, and a lot of us are dying because we're taking something good that God has given us, and we're using it for evil. We are, in our lives, constantly bringing to life Joseph's testimony. We are taking good things of God and using it for evil. In fact, the Tower of Babel could be described as the height, if you will, the height of human arrogance. You might as well call it the Tower of Ignorance, <laughs> call it the Tower of Pride, the Tower of Rebellion, because they could not be doing any more opposite of what God commanded them to do. Silas, hear me out on this. God's command to them, you remember, was, hey, go out. Ellie, I gave you this whole world. Go, go out. And they respond by going up. <laughs> they literally could not take the simple command of going out into the world, so they start building up. And that's how we are as human beings. God could tell us to stand up, and we'd find a way to sit down. <laughs> God says, go out, and we build a tower going up. God says, make my name known all throughout the world. And they say, hey, Jake, let's build a massive tower to make our name known. Ain't that crazy? We take good things and we use them for bad. We use them for evil. All that's happening here with the Tower of Babel is that they are finding ways to use what they have for evil. God, I'll give you two more. God tells us to make disciples. I don't want, I don't have time. If you don't have time to make disciples, let's sit down and look at screen time first. Let's start there. Let's start with screen time. Let's just start there for a moment. And I think we might find that there's an hour we could fit into our weeks to make disciples. I think maybe we could. I'm just talking with you here, man. It's a conversation. I'm on a stool. <laughs> We're just talking here because I'm in the same boat. My screen time's high too. And I got all these excuses why I can't make disciples, even though Jesus commanded it before he ascended. I got all these reasons why I can't make disciples. God tells us to literally make other people a priority. Paul in Philippians 2 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. The command is very clear from God to live for others and make disciples out of them. And what we end up doing is we don't make much of other people, we make much of ourselves. Instead of living to make disciples, we live to make our name known. God tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 through Paul, his mouthpiece, that singleness, uh-oh, <laughs> Uh-oh, please no, Daniel, don't do that tonight. I thought we was going to talk about technology. God tells us that singleness in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is a gift. How is it a gift, Daniel? I hate singleness. I want to escape it so bad. It's a gift because the married is focused on pleasing the married, but the unmarried is focused solely on pleasing the Lord, which means you as a single person, if you are not married, you are single. Congratulations, we got some gift cards that we can give you. <laughs> it's incredible. You have an opportunity in your life, if you are not married, to bring more glory to God's name than you could ever in the rest of your life. You have an opportunity to focus solely on pleasing the Lord with literally no distractions. He says it's a gift, and yet what do we do with our singleness? If we're honest tonight, if we're going to be honest and have a real conversation, a grown-up conversation, here's what we do. We do not use our singleness to make his name known. We do not use our singleness to find our ultimate value in him. What we do is we run to other people to find our value and our worth in their opinion of us. 
We run to direct messages. We run to text messages. We run to affirmation. We run to group settings. We find all of our value and our worth in the opposite sex and what they think of us. We have a bad day. Where do we go? Not to God, to someone of the opposite sex, whether we want to date them or whether we don't. We run to the people of this world, hoping and praying desperately that they can fill the void inside of us in our singleness, but we know they never can because the only one who will fill that void of loneliness in your life, that void of vulnerability and intimacy in your life, will never be another person. It will only be Jesus Christ. So we take a good thing like singleness and we constantly use it for bad. Don't tell me we don't. I was single at one point. This is not in my notes. I don't know where I'm going with this. I understand how it is to be single. In fact, I was even single at The View, believe it or not, at one point. I understand how it is to come to a Christian worship service like this. I understand how easy it is to show up with your Bible and your journal. And to pray a little bit and to do a little bit of conversation, a little encouraging. And the whole time you're kind of like looking around. Oh, yeah, so how was your week? How are you doing again? <laughs> hey, bro, did you see that girl from last week, bro? I don't know her name, man. But tell me more about what you're reading in Scripture, bro. <laughs> I know how easy it is to, to on the outside look like we're really focusing on the Lord, but our direct messages say otherwise? I know. It wasn't that long ago for me. You may think it was, but it wasn't. When I was in your place in college, now it's Instagram, it's DMs, it's TikTok, it's all these things. And for me, it was Snapchat. I know some of you still use Snapchat, but it's dying. But for me, oh, I knew. First eight months, I was a believer coming to The View. I knew. How to make it look like I was sold out for the Lord. Oh, I'm using my singleness for God's glory. Every two minutes, checking my Snapchat. You know why? Because I'm dependent on it. My value's in it. My worth is in it. Why did she leave me on red for a whole day? <laughs> what am I going to do? I know how it is. Let me ask you a question. A lot of us in here are slaves to that. Are you tired of being a slave yet? Because I reached a breaking point at 23 years old, 22 years old. I said, I know I'm a slave. I told my accountability part. I said, I know I'm a slave. I said, I don't want to be no more. You know what I did? I didn't just talk about it. I deleted the app. <laughs> I said, you know what, Snapchat? I don't need you no more. When I come to the view, I don't need to worry about if the ladies are looking at me or not. I need to put my eyes on Jesus. Because he's given me this opportunity in my life. He's given me this good resource of singleness. You didn't think it could apply. It's amazing. He's given me this good resource of singleness. And I'm either going to use it one of two ways. To glorify him or to glorify me. I don't want to tell you which one you're doing. I just want you to ask the question yourself. If I can get you tonight to ask yourself that question. We're doing something right. Direct messages. It's amazing what can happen in the DMs. <laughs> It's amazing what can happen when we start fantasizing about dating different people when we don't even know them. It's amazing what can happen when we're in a relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend and we put so much stock in them and their intimacy that we lose sight of God being our God. I'm here with you. What's happening today 
in Genesis 11 is no different than what is happening today in America. They are establishing themselves as independent from God. And I want you to know, anytime you're confused on whether to make much of your name or God's name, I want you to remember Acts 4, verse 12. It says, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no name under heaven. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to to people by which we must be saved. No other name. There's no other name besides Jesus that died on the cross for your sins and rose again. The people in your life, I love them and you do too. But man, they didn't die on a cross for your soul. Stop worshiping them like they did. Your best friend, love them and serve them. They didn't die on the cross for your sins. Your boyfriend or girlfriend did not die on the cross for your sins. Let me tell you something. Some person in your direct messages did not die on the cross for your sins. Stop worshiping them like you, like you are. Stop. This is so tiring. I've been there with you. I know exactly how it is. Aren't you tired of it? Christian culture did not die on the cross for your sins. Jesus did. And I wish I had more time to go into that. Christian culture, tradition, did not die on the cross. Jesus Christ did. But so many of us are so caught up in what we've done for so long that we miss what Jesus is doing now. The Tower of Babel was simply an attempt to be independent from God. And I wonder, I wrote this down, I wonder how often we use our phones in the same way. Me and my sister are absolute Best friends. I love my baby sister. She's at the University of Memphis. And we would hang out all the time. Anybody love their sibling? Amen? Ah, I got a sibling. Okay, amen. If you have a sibling and didn't raise your hand, I'm going to assume you hate them. But <laughs> love, love, love my sister. And uh, Cam, when we were growing up, we would fight, you know, we would compete over the smallest things. You ever compete with your sibling before? Man, woo! It's like World War III and she got to push the elevator button and I didn't. <laughs> Like World War III. Jasmine gets this. She has a ton of siblings. She knows what competing's like. Listen, me and my sister, when my mom would make bowls of macaroni and cheese, would take the bowls and compare to see who got more. <laughs> and it was a fight over whoever got less. I literally remember one time telling my mom, Mom, why'd she get more mac and cheese? <laughs> Here you. It's true. You ask her. You can ask my sister about it. When me and my sister were growing up, she's five years younger than me, so I'm, you know, just ahead of her to, uh, you know, still be cool, <laughs> you know, I'm not too old, where I'm like awkward and stuff, but still old enough <laughs> where, uh, you know, we can be uh, friends, you know, and uh, close enough to her age to know her and know her struggles, and she knew growing up that I knew her struggles, and what was so cool growing up, I, I love video games, and I had the Nintendo 64, that sounds old, oh, man, only for a couple years, guys, PlayStation came soon, I promise, I had a PlayStation 2, and then uh, I had a Game Boy. My sister, um, I love her to death. She would come into my room to talk to me. And uh, whenever your sibling, Will, comes into your room, you know, and I know Will's got a sibling, it's, it's cool because uh, they're coming in there to talk to you. And uh, my sister would just come in the room to talk to me. Just come in and talk to me. No agenda. Ashley, you got a sister. No agenda, nothing to gain. Just come in and talk to me. And uh, I remember, you know, I had a Game Boy. And I love the Game Boy because I play Pokemon. You ever play Pokemon on old Game Boy, right? You know what I'm saying? Huh? Very select few. Well, y'all know what I'm talking about. Catching Pikachu <laughs> and Bulbasaur. Bulbasaur was trash. Nobody wanted Bulbasaur. You get Charmander always. You never start with Squirtle or Bulbasaur. You always start with Charmander. So you can get Charizard. Amen. 
<laughs> well, if that was on the screen, always choose Charizard. <laughs> it's a weird shift tonight. I'd be playing my little Game Boy Color, you know, because I'm a little bit older, so I had the color. And uh, my sister would come in my room, and I would try to listen to her while I was playing the Game Boy. And I, I realized that, like, she was coming to my room to talk to me because she admired me and listened to me. And I realized as I was sitting there playing that Game Boy that I would not give her the time of day. Like a terrible big brother, I would sit there and try to listen to her while playing the Game Boy at the same time. And it's a, such a simple lesson, but I had to learn it the hard way. I could not have an intimate conversation with my sister because I was addicted to this gaming device the whole time I was trying to talk to her. I want to give you a grown-up application. It's time to wake up. Some of you simply cannot have an intimate conversation with God because you are addicted to your disastrous, distractive device called the iPhone. Literally, my sister would come and talk to me, and I would try to multitask catching Charizard at the same time as listening to her problems. I mean, let me tell you something. If you and I really are arrogant enough to think that we can have access to the World Wide Web, any person at any time, and still focus on the God of the universe, we are more arrogant than we think we are. We are more arrogant than we think we are. What I had to do is take that gaming device, and when it was time to listen to my sister, show her that I'm willing to put it aside and focus on her. And some of you would start having good quiet times if you take this and put it in another room. Stop leaving a portal right next to your Bible. You're going to jump in it. <laughs> Don't open up a portal to Hawaii right next to your Bible and think that you can focus on God. No, 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 it does not work like that. Sometimes God just lines it up for you. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. That's incredible. Whoever that was, I'm so sorry. <laughs> that's terrible luck. God might be trying to say something, though. <laughs> but I want you to understand something. Stay with me here. This has been a fantastic night. <laughs> oh, man. The do not disturb button exists. Watch this. To use when we're in a situation that's so good, we will not allow distractions to take us away. Here's the question. Is your time with God a situation so good that you won't allow interruptions? That's the question you have to ask. Is it a situation that's so good you won't allow any interruptions? There's athletes who go in the locker room and say, hey, the locker room pregame is a time where I'm not going to have my phone because I cannot have any distractions. And yet we keep our phone on us on full ring when we're trying to spend time with God. That is insane, college students. That is absolutely insane. If we are wearing Apple Watches while trying to read the Word, we are missing the point of reading the Word. If we have our phones on full ring when we're trying to, I get that there's emergencies, man. I get that kind of stuff. But do not disturb. It exists for the purpose of opening the Bible and closing out the world to say, hey, the world, Kylie, can wait. I'm spending time with God. Even if there was an emergency, God's big enough to know I'm spending time with Him and to work a few of those things out. Sometimes it literally takes trust. Can you imagine to say, God, I know there might be an emergency, but that emergency may catch me off guard, but it's not going to catch you off guard. So even if I don't have my phone, you're still connected to whatever that emergency is. Now that's faith, ain't it? That's an incredible act of faith. You couldn't imagine doing that in our lives. The reason why we don't is because of FOMO. We're so afraid of missing out. Can you imagine being in the throne room of heaven with your phone on? Can you imagine being in the throne room of heaven doing one of these numbers right here? Yep, we're good. It wasn't her this time. It's just my friend Snapchat. Yeah, we're good. Proceed, Lord. 
<laughs> it's funny. It is. And then we open up the Bible to hear from God, and we do this to God. Okay. I'm back with you. Ah, oh, you know what, God? Hold on. Oh, yeah, I'd love to go to Huey's. That sounds great. What were you saying, God? Ain't that a little bit disrespectful? <laughs> Just a little bit, Fernando? It sounded like Fernando was doing it right now. <laughs> if we understood, if we understood the weight of sitting at the feet of Jesus, we would realize that everything else in the world can wait. If we understood the weight of sitting at the feet of Jesus, God bless you, we would realize that everything else in the world can wait. The reason why Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, if I can get real with you, the reason why he could say, here I am, send me, is because he was present before he ever said that. He wasn't distracted. In Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1, it says, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him. They had six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And one called to another. Imagine the scene for a moment. Holy, holy, holy. Let's say that together. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. Now Isaiah is having this vision. It says next that the foundations of the doorway shook at the sound of their voices. And the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, woe is me for I am ruined. Isaiah could not come into the throne room without realizing that as a sinner he was ruined. Ruined. He says, woe is me for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips. And live among a people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the king. Have your eyes seen the king? Because my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, and in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar. He touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed, and your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord asking. Can I ask you a question? Have you heard the voice of the Lord in your life? Then I heard the voice of the Lord asking, Who will I send? Who will go for us? I said, here I am. Send me. Praise God, Isaiah didn't have an Apple Watch buzzing. Praise God, he didn't have a device constantly distracting him, but we do. And we cannot properly tell God, here I am, until we're willing to put aside distractions and actually be there. So let me ask you a question. Your time with God, are you really there? Can you say, here I am? Because until you can say, here I am, you ain't never going to be able to say, honestly, send me. Until you say, here I am, you cannot tell God to send you. I was flying back from New York City and I, about a year ago, and I was sitting on the plane, and to my right, just a couple seats ahead of me, there was this girl, college age. Girl would probably be a part of our ministry. And uh, I could see her phone from where I was. And I remember watching this play out. It's very simple. But I remember watching this girl, college age, 
maybe 21 years old. I watched her sit on her phone on this plane, and what she did is, it was amazing, she was staring at a picture of herself. Of course, I'm on a plane ride, I have nothing else to do, so I'm just kind of watching her, seeing what she's doing, and she's staring at her phone, (laughs) random surf promo, (laughs) also if you want to surf, she's staring at a phone and she's staring at a picture of herself, and I mean she's staring intentionally, and she stares, she does this for 30 seconds. She swipes, stares at another one, 60 seconds. Swipes. She sits on another picture of herself for almost 20 minutes, staring. I'm just watching it play out. And then I watch as she swipes up, goes to Instagram, searches somebody, and pulls up another girl and starts staring at this girl's picture for about 10 minutes. You ever been there? She stares at this girl's picture for 10 minutes. Then I watched on this plane as she slid the app back up, went to her home screen, and clicked another app. I watched as she uploaded that photo she stared at for 20 minutes into this other app. And I don't know what's happening. And I watched as she spent over a half hour editing. For a half hour, she sat there on her phone staring at this picture of herself, editing her legs, editing her stomach, editing her face, changing the tone of her skin. And every few minutes, she would swipe up and go right back to that picture of that other girl on Instagram. And then she'd go right back to editing. An hour-long process. Objectively speaking, my wife would say the same, this girl was beautiful. And I just sat there in amazement that social media has convinced her that not only is she ugly, but she's worthless. To the point where her screen time is now two hours from editing a photo to try to look how social media says we should look. And you know what? I believe that in a room of 400 college students, guy or girl, I don't think she's alone in this. I think there's others in the room who are so insecure about our body and our image, that we would do anything to change it, even if it's just digitally. Sometimes we think that if we can portray ourselves one way digitally, that that's how we portray ourselves in reality. It's not. And to sit there and put your worth and your value in social media, in the man's opinion of you, and what the world says about you, what you're doing is you're lowering a bucket into an empty well. No water's coming up. When you place your value and your worth in this world, none of it's coming up. But when you go to God, when you realize what he has said about you, do you know that? Young ladies in the room, do you know what God has said about you? Do you know how God has made you? Whose image you reflect? Let me speak to the women for a minute. Do you know whose image you reflect? Because if you truly knew, you wouldn't worry so much about what social media says about how you look. Men, do you know whose image you were made in? Do you know who you're supposed to reflect? Do you know what kind of actions men and women we're supposed to portray every day and and whose image we're supposed to look like? If we're staring at ourselves all day long, that means we're not staring at Jesus Christ. And too much time staring at yourself will make you forget about Jesus Christ. 
If you want to talk after this, I want you to come and find us. We're going to be up here. My wife will, Jasmine will. If you want to come and talk to us, we would love to have a more bigger conversation with you about that because I believe right now there's chains being broken because there's people in here who are slaves to this and they're tired of living as a slave because Jesus Christ did not come to this earth and die for you to continue living like a slave. Jesus Christ came to this earth, shed his blood, gave up his life so that you could experience complete freedom and not be bound to opinion or image or our culture, to not be bound as a slave to just go with whatever the world says go with, to portray yourself however the world says portray yourself as. Jesus Christ rose above this world, died for it, and then rose again over it so that you can rise with him. The question is, are you willing to walk in that victory? Are you willing to? Number two, and my last thing before we move on to one final thing is this. Number two, it's your choice. Glorify you or glorify God. Glorify you or glorify God. So we see God's resources, and then we see man's rebellion. Now, one thing I want to do for a couple of moments here, I want to bring someone on stage who's very near and dear to my heart. I want you to make some noise for Trey Burcham as he makes his way up here tonight. Amen? Yes, absolutely. Trey... It's not just a sharp-dressed man. Wish I could tuck my button down saying it looked that good. Trey is uh, one of our college students, and Trey has been involved in a ministry. Trey, tell us how long you've been involved here at The View and, and even just a little bit of how you got involved. Okay, yeah, so I'm only dressed like this because I got off work. So I, if you do see me here, I do dress like this a lot, but it's, it is because I have work before this. But um, I'm, a, I'm a senior at the University of Memphis, and I've, I've been involved with The View now for mm-hmm. – uh, three years, and um, I actually <clears throat> met a guy tonight who had come to The View when it was at uh, all, yeah. all Pop- Poplar Plaza, and honestly, nowadays, I feel like if you if you come there, you're like a View vet. Yeah. I honestly consider you a View vet, like, yeah. just because there's a lot of people that come now that, that didn't go there, um, yeah. but, so I've been around for, for three years, and um, when I first started coming around, there was about 70 people mm-hmm. here at the ministry, and, uh, uh, you know, it's Dakota and, and Zach and uh, Adam Neely and some and, and guys like that were kind of the leaders and took me under the wing uh, took me under their wing when I uh, first got involved and and um, you know we've seen a, we've seen the Lord do a lot here yeah, uh, through have. the ministry it's it's been incredible to be a part of yeah we have absolutely and one of the things Trey did last year which was uh, big because nobody necessarily pushed him to do it but last year when you talk about social media he fasted from social media for for how long uh, it was six months total um, six months yeah so I. I started um, right after Valentine's Day, and then I um, just got it back uh, last August, yeah. actually right after my birthday. Six months, that's a long time. Now tell me a little bit what led you to doing that, because here's the thing, in our culture, we never want to be left out. One of the reasons why we don't want to get off social media is because we don't want to be the only one not on social media. We don't want to be the only one not active, the only one not connected. And what's so sad about our generation, Trey, and you'll probably affirm this, is that the, the reason why we go to our phones so much is because we want constant connection. Let's be honest, right? We hate being alone. We want constant connection. The sad part is we're looking for constant connection, and oftentimes we walk away feeling even more isolated, right. feeling more isolated. So what led you to, to giving up social media for six months? Yeah, so I was, uh, I was honestly obsessed with social media, uh, you know, kind of like the statistics you were talking about. That was, that was me. Uh, I was always checking my phone, checking Instagram. First thing I did when I wake up, I'd check Instagram when mm-hmm. I, before I go to bed. Like, I, I'm the guy that would, when I got up to go use the bathroom, I would literally check my phone before I got 
uh, back in, in, in bed. And, and uh, mm-hmm. during quarantine, you know, that last year was, you know, kind of uh, when COVID first kind of hit and uh, we were all quarantined and stuff. And I was, um, I was just not in a good place with the Lord. Um, yeah. I was far from God. I, my, when, when uh, quarantine hit, I, I was, uh, you know, for, I was living at the view. I was very involved at the view. Yeah. And then I moved out. And uh, when I did, I really isolated myself. And just like you said, I would, I would get on Instagram and then I would feel even more isolated. And um, I just didn't have it. I had the connection on Instagram, but mm. I had no real connection. Yeah. And then on top of that, I wasn't reading my Bible. I wasn't praying. I wasn't spending time with the Lord. So I wasn't connected with God. I wasn't connected with the people. So, you know, the devil was just killing me with the comparison and, yep. and uh, you know, the loneliness. And, and uh, it affected relationships with my family, with, with my friends. And, and uh, you know, and I really just drew away from a lot of things. Uh, it affected my relationship with Kate for a while, too. I mean, uh you know, and, and uh, there was just a lot that, that went into why I started fasting. I not only just deleted the app off my phone, I actually deleted my whole entire account because mm-hmm. I just I didn't want any, I just didn't want anything to do with it anymore. Honestly, I was yeah. I was uh, upset and and um, yeah. I didn't want to you know honestly be around people. I just was very isolated uh, during during that that fast, and that that's what led me to just get rid of all of it yeah. and TikTok it. That's when kind of TikTok had blown up, and and uh, mm-hmm. I was spending so much time on TikTok, and and lust was just burning inside of me, you know. And there, there was just, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you said, yeah. I was using technology for 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 evil, and uh, yeah. so that kind of led to to the fast. And it, it's it's yeah, it's hard to identify that though. It's easy to feel like you're using it in, in an okay way until you kind of step back and realize, wow, a lot of the ways I was using social media was for sin or for fleshly gratification. You know, I just want to tell you guys, there's a great point to be made here. (laughs) These phones connect us to people all the time. But I want to tell you something. If we're constantly connected to people but rarely connected to God, we're still going to feel absolute loneliness. We will. There is no amount of connection that we can have with human beings that's going to provide for your soul what you need from the Lord God. You need that. And so, Trey, you go into this fast. You say, hey, I don't know if you plan to give it up six months or whatever, but you plan to say, hey, I'm going to delete it. I'm going to cleanse myself of this and see what God does in me. Tell us, what did God do in your heart and your life in the midst of that fast? Yeah, so uh, I didn't really plan on six months. I didn't have a time frame. I just knew I just didn't, I just wanted to get rid of it. And yeah. uh, um, so, yeah, the Lord did a, a great work in, in me, and it's not to brag on me. It's all the glory to God. But, uh, you know, he really just got me back focused on him. Yeah. Uh, because when I first got saved, man, I, I was, the Lord did a lot in my life. I was partying and drinking and, and man, he, he really flipped my life around and gave me yeah. a good godly community and, and, and people to be with. And, um, I had isolated from that. I had drawn away. I, uh, just didn't have anything to do with any, any, with God or, or any of the good community that I had in my life. And, um, so yeah, you know, he, he really just kind of stripped me back to, to where I was, you know, like we yep. just went over Psalm 51, uh, you know, yep. and, and he rejoyed in me that, the, uh, restored. yeah, restored in me the joy of my mm-hmm. salvation and, uh, you know, really got me back to his word and, and praying and, and, and being with him. And, and uh, you know, I talked to you a little bit about that, too. I seeked out some counsel and needed some help and, and uh, you know, just to, uh, to to get back to where um, God wanted me to be. And, and um, mm-hmm. so it was uh, it was. A long six months, honestly. I mean, now looking back on it, you know, I'm, it was something I needed to go through and uh, and to, to get me to where God wanted me to be. Uh, but yeah, it, it was uh, yeah. 
the Lord really, I think, just stripped me back to, to focusing on Him and, and what really mattered in, in life and not, not worried about comparison, not worried about what people think of me. And, and uh, you know, I just was really yeah. struggling with pride before that, and He, he really kind of humbled me a lot throughout that, that process as well. So. Yeah. You know, guys, I want to tell you something. There's a lot of pain and strongholds that we have in our life, similar to what Trey's talking about tonight. And it's, un- it's not until we allow God to strip us of some of the things we have in our life, it's not until we allow him to do that that we realize we have an issue in the first place. That's right. You might not know some of the strongholds that are existing until you let God break some of those bones so that they rejoice again. There might be, I'm telling you, man, because in my own life, in my testimony, it's the same way. There's things that, there's strongholds in my life, just like that he's talking about, that I've had for years that I didn't realize were there until I gave up some of the distractions that are in my life. I want to tell you, if you were to be willing to set aside some earthly things, if you would be willing to give up some earthly things in order to gain more of heaven, you would realize there is nothing on this earth worth it more than heaven, if you would do that. (coughs) Excuse me. So, Trey... I know you got your Bible. Through that process, how did God change your view, right? Because all we see is we view this, we look at it, it's about our eyes and image and all these things. How did God change your view of him, yourself, and or social media? Yeah, so uh, like I said, you know, God really stripped me down uh, back to, to what really mattered. And just like yeah. you said, you know, when you give that up to the Lord, he's faithful to, to change you. And he, he's waiting on you to come back to him, you That's know. Right. The Bible says to draw close to God, and God will draw close to you. That's right. You know, it says we draw close to God, right? So when we come back to God, God didn't move, right? We're the ones that have strayed from the Lord. Yes. So we have to come back to Him, and when we do, you know, logically, you know, we are growing together. We're growing closer, right? Yep. So God really did that to me. As I started coming back to Him, yeah. He drew close to me. And, um, you know, I was... Uh, be- before COVID, I, I had started a discipleship group, and, and man, just let that go to pits, honestly. And, and uh, you know, I mean, there was a lot of hurt and, and that I had to get, get with and get right with some guys over and stuff. And, and, uh, but, you know, the Lord, he, he, he wants to restore you. He wants to, to, to do a great work in you so that you can give his name, honor, and glory, and praise, and only he can get the glory, not for you. It's not about me. It's, it has nothing to do with me. Yeah. But, uh, you know, God really just showed me that, uh, you know, I've got to get back to him and focus on what's right and, uh, you know, and who I am and that I am nothing without God, right? So I had strayed away from the Lord. I tried to do things on my own, and it left me broken. It left me the same way I felt before I had gotten saved. I was, I was feeling that same exact way because I was not spending time with God. Yeah. I wasn't filled with the Spirit. I was living on my own. I was doing whatever I wanted to do, and it affected not only me. It affected the people around me. It affected my relationships. And, uh, you know, the Lord really had to, he had to break me down. He yeah. had to do a lot in me. And, um, yeah. but um, one thing that, that reminded me of was uh, in Matthew chapter 6. I'm just going to read a couple verses. This is Jesus, when he was doing the Sermon on the Mount, he's speaking to the people, right? And he talks about fasting. And uh, starting in verse 16 of Matthew 6, it says, Whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men. When they are fasting, yeah. truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Yeah. And I just share that with you because, you know, when I 
when I was fasting, when I, when I got rid of my social media, I just did that just to get rid of it. You know, I, and, and then, you know, the Lord really used that later to, to I started fasting after I'd gotten rid of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the Lord used that through me to, to get me back to where I wanted to be. So I say that because the, the true meaning of a fast is, yeah. is not just to get rid of something, right? You can get rid of a lot of things. But you're obviously going to want to go back to that. That desire in you is to go back to that. Yeah. But when you fast, you get rid of something that is keeping you from being godly. Or, or you, you get rid of something that you care about, you, you're addicted to, you're trying to, you know, yeah. to overcome. And then you replace that with something godly. You replace that with spending time with God. Yeah. You replace that with prayer. You replace that with things that God wants you to do to look more like Him. Yeah so that you can grow throughout that process, right? Yeah. And I love what Jesus is saying here. Do not um, you know, neglect your appearance so that you'll be noticed by men. Do not do it for show. Mm-hmm. But, the, but when God, who sees you in secret, who sees what is done in secret, will, will reward you. And that's through godliness, right? That's mm-hmm. through making you the man and the woman that God wants you to be. Yeah. And uh, that is what the true purpose of fasting is. I know we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but... Yeah. You know, guys, I just, if you don't hear anything else I say, but just hear that. When you do a fast, you are, you are saying, Lord, I'm giving up something that I am addicted to, that I, I think about all the time, so that I can honor you and I can glorify you and I can grow closer to you in, in, sure. in whatever way that you want me to do that. Yeah. And uh, it's not for a show, but it's between you and God. It's saying, hey, Lord, make me the man or the woman that you want me to be so that I can honor and glorify you in, in the best way that I can. Absolutely. And so that's something that the Lord just kind of taught me through all that and, and really what yeah. true meaning of fasting is. And, and uh, you know, he just really stripped me down and, and uh, brought me to, to uh, back to my core and back to, back to him. Absolutely. Aren't y'all grateful for that testimony? Amen. Absolutely. And uh, one of the things we're going to do this week that we're very excited about, our team's excited about it, one of the things we're going to do is a view family fast. A view family fast, a ministry-wide fast. I want to invite you to do something, if you're willing to. We, starting tomorrow morning, are going to give up social media. We're going to delete the apps off of our phones. We're going to delete Instagram. We're going to delete TikTok. Our staff's doing it. I assume Trey's going to do it with us. Of course, yeah, you're, you're in it now. So. <laughs> yeah, I got it. We're going to delete TikTok. We're going to delete some of these social media apps. And what we're going to do is for Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, three days, could you give up? A little bit of social media and connection for three days to gain more of heaven over the next three days. Here it is right here. A view ministry-wide fast, Tuesday to Thursday. And what we're going to do is, just like he said, we're going to replace that time with prayer, Bible reading, scripture memory, and those core things, focusing on the Lord. And what I believe is God's going to do some incredible work through this. I want to say one last thing to you. So the Tower of Babel was a plot by man to rebel against God and establish itself as independent. Do you notice what God did? Let me have your eyes. What God did is he acted. God did not stand around. God did not sit around. When God saw evil arising, he spread them out and confused their language. And I know it's hard to understand, but that is the mercy of God to come down and not just completely obliterate them, but to spread them out on the earth and give them another chance to do what he commanded. He acted. He didn't stand by, but he showed mercy. And I want to tell you something. 
If we're living in ignorance or we're living in sin, God is going to act. God is going to move. And he may take away something from you. But when he takes it away, he's going to replace it with heaven. He's going to replace it with his spirit. The question is, do you want that? Are you at a place in your life where you're willing to say, I'm going to give up something worldly so that I can have more of heaven?